0: Hey, it's Latif from Radiolab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. We've been looking back all this week to look at the choices and the fights that made the American health care system what it is today. And that journey takes us back to the early 90s today, nearly two decades before Barack Obama and the Affordable Care Act ever came to be. As WNYC's Christopher Johnson reports, the story of Bill Clinton's health reform effort doesn't start in Arkansas, where he was governor, or on Capitol Hill. It doesn't even start with Bill Clinton. It begins in a tiny twin-engine propeller plane in the skies over a wealthy Philadelphia suburb. It's the spring of 1991, and U.S. Senator John Hines is flying into the city for a meeting at the Enquirer. Hines' pilots are on their approach when they run into landing gear trouble. A nearby helicopter flies in, tries to help, but things only get worse, way worse. So let us recap what happened today. U.S. Senator John Hines was among seven people killed early this afternoon in Lower Merion Township. Hines's plane crashed with a Sun Company helicopter over the grounds of the Marion Elementary School on Bowman Avenue. The plane was. It was a tragedy for Lower Marion. Two schoolgirls were killed on the playground as burning fuel and debris rained from the sky. As for Hines, the 52-year-old senator's death meant the loss of Pennsylvania royalty.
1: John Hines was somebody I respected and uh, knew rel- relatively well. I mean, he's a very uh, popular Republican senator.
0: Harris Wolford was the state's labor secretary. He was appointed to hold Hines' vacant seat until the special election in just six months. He ran for the office, but his opponent Dick Thornburg was hammering him in the polls. Wolford was hanging on by the thinnest of threads when he gets this tip that would change the whole game. Definitely for him, and maybe for the rest of the country, too.
1: I went to pick up... um several thousand dollars to our campaign from the ophthalmologists of Philadelphia. And then he said, I want to give you the most effective thing that I've ever had in terms of political uh, interest.
0: The doctor told Wolford that when he gives talks, he likes to whip out his copy of the U.S. Constitution. He then points to the Sixth Amendment, which guarantees the right to an attorney.
1: And then he said... Isn't it even more important that if you're sick in America, that you should have a right to a doctor? And I loved it as an idea.
0: That's when Wolford decided to do something really unusual. In his speeches, in his campaign agenda, and in ads like this one, he put health care right at the center of his platform. I've been talking about national health insurance
2: and about a tax cut for the middle class.
0: Electing Dick Thornburg would send a signal that you want business as usual, that you don't want basic changes like national health insurance. And it worked. Wolford won, and health care helped get in there.
1: We were 40-some points behind uh, in the polls when we began. And that idea of universal health care just moved the media all all over the country was paying attention to it.
3: I do think it was the Harris-Wofford campaign in Pennsylvania arguing that every American should have access to health insurance. That suddenly showed that it had political legs.
0: Historian Theta Scotchpaul is the author of Boomerang, Healthcare Reform and the Turn Against Government. Scotchpaul notes that Wofford's successful campaign comes just as Bill Clinton is making his run for the White House.
2: Okay, so now we need to think about what was happening in the late 1980s and early 1990s.
0: That's Paul Starr, one of President Clinton's senior health policy advisors during the first campaign.
2: We had double-digit inflation in health care back then. Uh, Many people were facing very sharp increases in their health insurance premiums and uh, their other health care costs. And public opinion polls showed that Overwhelming numbers of Americans thought there was something radically wrong with the health care system, and it
0: needed fundamental change. And this is how the fire that Harris-Wolford started in Pennsylvania worked its way up to the White House, becoming part of newly elected President Bill Clinton's national agenda.
1: But all of our efforts to strengthen the economy will fail.
0: The Clinton White House believed that, for the first time in nearly two decades, there was a real chance to reshape health care. In his first State of the Union speech, the president makes this appeal.
1: I feel so strongly about this. All of our efforts to strengthen the economy will fail unless we also take this year, not next year, not five years from now, but this year, bold steps to reform our health care system.
0: It didn't take long for things to start falling apart. First, with the healthcare task force the president created, with First Lady Hillary Clinton in charge. This was a brain trust of cabinet members, senior officials, and healthcare professionals who would help develop his reform plan. By most counts, then and now, the task force was a mess. It was accused of being bloated and secretive and was even slapped with lawsuits concerning Hillary's leadership. The president dissolved it after six months. But the damage was done. President Clinton was already being condemned for drafting reform without clear plans to involve lawmakers. Later that year, interest groups that were opposed to reform began taking shots at Clinton's plan.
3: This was covered under our old plan.
0: Oh Yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? This now-famous TV ad campaign called Harry and Louise is set in the future. Clinton's health plan is now law, and it's got the couple totally confused and frustrated.
3: Having choices we don't like is no choice at all.
2: They choose.
1: We lose.
0: But the president pressed on. In September 1993, he went before a joint session of Congress and continued to make his case. No president had pushed for reform like this since the 1970s.
1: At long last, after decades of false starts, we must make this our most urgent
0: priority. The president laid out a six-part solution. He promised simplicity and improved quality in care. He told Americans they could keep their doctors if they wanted to. And at the heart of his message was this idea of security. Everybody, every single person in the U.S. would be covered. To drive his point home, the president waved before Congress a prop, a red, white, and blue health security card. This health care
1: security card will offer this package of benefits in a way that can never be taken away.
0: Here's the thing about that card. Clinton advisor Paul Starr says it ended up being kind of an omen. Starr watched the whole speech from the gallery. When the president held that card up, Starr got an idea. That evening after the
2: speech, I had one of the cards that had been made up. And uh, at the White House, I asked him to sign it. And he did. He did sign it. Uh, But he was in a rush, and he signed it upside down. (laughs) So I I later thought, oh, that was was a a perfect symbol of what had happened.
0: For Starr, that gaffe foretold how all the support they'd hoped for on Capitol Hill, from business leaders and from the American people, how all of that would get turned on its head. There are lots of reasons why the Health Security Act failed. The economy actually started to improve. Americans were worrying less about health care costs and more about crime. At the same time, Starr says, the Whitewater scandal that broke out in early 1994 also did some serious damage. A Wall Street Journal-NBC poll showed that attaching the president's name to what was otherwise a relatively popular reform plan sank the approval rating by as many as 40 points. And I think the lack of trust
2: of the president became a major factor in the outcome of the whole healthcare debate. To bring about any kind of major reform in the United States, the public has to trust uh, the president and members of Congress. And that atmosphere, heightened distrust, undermined the possibilities for reaching any kind of bipartisan uh, deal.
0: Historian Theta Scotch-Paul puts some of the blame on the way the White House conducted the business of reform almost from day one.
3: They ended up producing a more than 1,000-page bill. They tried to work out compromises between business, insurance companies, healthcare providers— unions, all the big stakeholders, in advance of putting it into Congress. It was a very complex plan worked out by a large negotiation in secret.
0: The president's reform bill officially died at the end of the summer. As for major sweeping health care reform, no president would dare try it again for another 15 years, this time under President Obama.
3: You see, one of the things that happens in politics, as in war... People always try to learn from the last battle. The Obama administration itself took a lesson. They were full of people who had been been there for the failure of the Clinton plan. They learned that coming up with a blueprint outside of Congress that you then tried to get Congress to adopt was a mistake.
0: As for Harris Walford, looking back, he says it never occurred to him 26 years ago that, of all things, health care would be the thing to save his campaign. And become the stuff of a massive reform effort that still touches us today.
1: It was a wonderful feeling about the American system that it can be moved so fast. An idea that its time had come it was
0: catching fire. Now the question is will the fire continue to blaze or just go out? For The Takeaway, I'm Christopher Johnson. Our thanks to WNYC's Christopher Johnson and Mary Harris for reporting these stories for us this week. If you missed any of the pieces in our series, Your Healthcare, What Happened? Check them out at the website at the slash healthcare.